What defines crazy? One way Urban Dictionary defines crazy is someone who will go against the rules. A person who acts in a manner that normal society does not approve of. We would add that crazy can be defined as enigmatic, meaning mysterious or speaking in riddles, often misunderstood. God tells us in Isaiah 55, 8-9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Yet even though he is enigmatic, he tells us in seven places in scripture that if we seek him, we will find him when we search with all of our heart. Journey with us as we seek him and explore the evidence that confirms God be crazy. Welcome back to God Be Crazy. Most of today's episode is actually a candid Bible study between Christy and I. Yeah, we were prompted to study the book of Joshua, specifically the story of Achan's sin following the Battle of Jericho. And then subsequently after the Battle of Jericho, approximately two to 3,000 men were sent to a town called, or a city called Ai, and there's a couple times I think we refer to it as AI because that's how it's spelled. So mm-hmm. as we have this conversation, y'all just forgive us. We're talking <laughs> about the city of I. Yeah. Sometimes we get going in our study and we realize the Holy Spirit is jumping in something and we need to press record and we need to save it and it can't be redone. So that's what kind of tends to happen. So that's what happened today. Um, so at this time in the story, and at this time in history, God had already appointed Joshua to right. lead the Israelites. And so then Moses had already blessed him. He was highly honored. The people respected him. They stood before the Israelites and everyone made a covenant that Joshua would lead and they promised to follow. I mean, not that they really had a choice though, because that's who God appointed. <laughs> right. So, so, But they did enter yeah. into that covenant. They knew that that's what was going on and they agreed to that. Yeah. So we're jumping in at a place in our study. Y'all are joining us in this in this clip where we had just been reading and I had just been reading in the commentary in my Bible about how Achan's sin, they called it a tragedy. And you, Christy, had some strong thoughts about it yeah. being a tragedy. So our conversation picks up there. To me, that isn't a tragedy. What Aiken did is not a tragedy because Aiken had the same opportunity that every other every other Israelite had. Mm-hmm. They were all told in the beginning of the of this that they were to follow Joshua and all his commands. They were told that through Moses, and they agreed to do that. They agreed that anything that Joshua told them to do, that they would do, no matter what it was. And that the consequence for not being obedient to that would be death. Mm-hmm. They knew that. So to me, that's not a tragedy. If you know ahead of time and you agree to do something and you choose to do something different, knowing knowing that that was your consequence, that's not a tragedy. That's a poor choice. Your mm-hmm. poor choice isn't isn't a tragedy. It's it's your own stupidity. For whatever reason, you acted out of that. Mm-hmm. That's on you. Yeah. That's not a tragedy. A tragedy is yeah. when something comes in and happens to you that you had no warning of, no control over, and no, uh, no fault of your own. Something horrible happens to you. Mm-hmm. That is a tragedy. The fact that his family got wiped out, 
Did his family get wiped out? Yeah, I, I believe so. Yeah, the fact that there were other people that were harmed by his consequences. Right, they didn't do anything, but he did. They didn't, but he did. And he knew on the front end, didn't that they? That that would happen. Yeah. So, I guess he, for his family, it's a little tragic, but for him, it's not tragic because yeah. he he knew and he did what he knew not to do. Yeah. I guess it is kind of tragic when you think about, you know, as as the Bible talks about sins of the father, like we can pay the consequence for something in our line. They chose to do that and that therefore harm all the generations that come after it. In right. this case, his immediate family, didn't it say like, if y'all don't follow these rules, then you will be put to death, you and your family. Right. So he knew but if he knew. stole those things, yep. if I steal these and I get caught, my family will also I pay. die and everybody else. And my family dies. Yeah, he did it. No but way. that says a lot about the character of him. Mm-hmm. He did. He did. He didn't care about anyone else. He was only thinking of himself. So he couldn't. Yeah, he did not really love his family the way that he not more than himself because he knew himself. that whenever he did that he was actually killing them too if he yep. was to be if he was to be caught everybody else would die and it would not be their fault at all their blood would be on his hands and he didn't care because yep. he wanted the spoils from the from the destruction of Jericho yeah wow you love yourself so much you would let your whole family die for your sin he could have repented and asked for them to be spared, but he did not. He only thought about himself. Yep, and he did so knowingly. He had already made an agreement. Right. Achan and all the other Israelites had made an agreement that if they didn't honor and obey what Joshua was commanding them to do, then they would be killed. Mm-hmm. There was a pre-warning in Joshua chapter 6, verse 18 that said, and you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed. When you take of the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. All of the silver and gold and vessels of bronze and iron are consecrated to the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So basically what he's saying is that if you take anything from this battle... It's mm-hmm. cursed. And if you take it and bring it into the camp, you're going to be cursed. The camp of Israel will be cursed. Mm-hmm. And death is going to happen. And he and he did it and he knew it. So when, after the battle of Jericho, and they're going in to like basically get all the in, important things, the treasures and all the gold and everything. Right, the things that were consecrated to the yeah, Lord. Yeah, and they're, they're supposed to get them and bring them like, Bring it to God. It's God's. It's not right. yours. So he gets it, and he bring, He stores it up for himself. He sneaks. I don't know how he does. He sneaks it somewhere so other people don't see. And he steals some of it for himself. And because he does that, it starts in chapter 7. It talks about the Lord's anger burned against the whole nation of Israel for this thing that Achan did. Right. So it wasn't just his family or it was everybody who wore that in the whole clan. So then where are we? We're in uh, verse two, Joshua sends men from Jericho up to I, which is, I guess, another town. And they're going to go up and basically take that town too. And they go up to take that town thinking they're going to be victorious and 
shock among shocks, they're not victorious. They take, I don't know, what does it say? 36, yeah, they, 3,000 men or so, but 36 of them end up dying. They get routed by the men of Ai, and they didn't expect that. And so then they get defeated in some sense. They chased, it says, they chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted and became like water. So basically, they fall apart. Whenever they, and Joshua tears his clothes, falls face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and he is devastated. And he's like, what is going on? What happened? I thought we were supposed to be victorious. And that brings us to Joshua 7, 7. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites and to destroy us? Oh, that we had been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off our name from the earth. Then what will you do for your great name? Isn't this just like us as a people? God tells us something. We do it and we see the success of it. We live in that victory. The next, very next thing he tells us to do, we do it and something goes awry or doesn't go as we planned. And Mm -hmm. we go to God going, you told us to do this. We did what you said. What? Instead of doing that, Lord what did we do wrong? Because you've commanded us thus far. You've never messed this up. So we what did it. What is going on? It's us. Yeah. We blame him. Yeah. Well, Joshua at the time didn't know that Achan, he didn't he know didn't, about. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. That's my point. Like, it doesn't matter. He has seen the promises of God go forth over and over and over. And one thing goes wrong. And he says, oh, God, why did you even bring us here? Mm-hmm. Freaking seriously, sounds bro? Sounds like the same sounds Israelites. Sounds just like us. Sounds like us. Also, the Israelites, whenever they fled Egypt, it was the same pattern we all get into. Like, oh, you re- you it, saved us you how would, many other times? You would think, though, that this would be a lesson to us. Yeah. And it should going forward. Once we start to mumble about things that are not going as we planned, we ought to stop and go, what are we missing here? Mm-hmm. Because when has God brought you to something to destroy you? Never. Are there things that happen because of our choices and because of other people's choices that are hard for us? Yes. But when God gives you a direct command, he told them to go fight these people. He led them to the Battle of Jericho. He told them exactly how to march. I'm sorry, but he literally told you (laughs) crazy banana business. I would like you to march around this wall one time a day, blow a horn, and do that for six days on the seventh day. Do that seven times, blow a horn, and shout, Arr! Yeah. <laughs> and the wall's going to crumble, and you're going to take the city. Yeah. That is miraculous, okay? For that to be what happened, that is amazing. And for you to sit and in that as an Israelite, for you to sit in that and see this, and then God says, go fight these people. And you go fight these people, and something goes wrong. Your first thought is, why are you doing this to us, God? Really? No. Um, what did we do wrong? We messed this up somehow because God didn't mess it up. And instead, Joshua, a man of God, a great man of God, he was the leader of the Israelites at this time. 
He goes, what are you doing to us, God? Yes, this is common because it repeats a history that has repeated itself over and over and over. Mm-hmm. But we have the opportunity to take notes of these things as we read the scripture and as we study and not do those same things. Mm-hmm. When that happens for us, when God says, I want you to do a podcast, two jobs, do this, you know, like build a nonprofit. When God says these things to us, mm-hmm. if something goes wrong, we should, our first response shouldn't be, Oh God, why'd you even make us do this? Like this is not even going to work out and everybody's going to talk about us or we're going to mm-hmm. look stupid or it's going to look like we fit. Fe- no. What did I miss, God? I'm sorry. What did I miss? I know you have a plan and I have done something out of the loop. Like, did I miss something? Did somebody in my party do something? Like, show me. What is going on? Show me what you want from me. Mm -hmm. Show me what I can do. That should be a lesson to all of us. And it goes on for God to say, Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. He says they. It is actually only Achan, but he refers, this is the whole lot. Because they agreed how they to act all, as one. When one acts, you, every, the sin of one covers, yep. everybody else pays for that. And when you, are in, yeah. when you are in communion with someone, that's why it says to be careful who you are. Who you're yoked with. Who you're yoked to. Who you're to. married to. Who you're friends yes. with. Who you, which company you keep. Because when you are yoked mm-hmm. to and in the company of people that are not doing what they're supposed to do, it will, you cannot keep someone else's stuff off of you. Mm-hmm. If you are surrounded by that, you look guilty by that association. So it's important. That you make sure that the people that you are surrounding yourself with are people, the people that you yoke yourself to, Mm -hmm. are people who have the same integrity, same beliefs, same things Mm -hmm. that are... That are what God has commanded of you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't even matter how you look. These other people may have fully committed. And they right. did, it sounds like. Yeah. Nobody else stole. Achan right. was the only one that stole. And so even though they really are innocent, the only tragedy, really, as we were talking about earlier, like the tragedy is that these people really did not um, do anything wrong. But Aiken did, who was their brother. And... Furthermore, I wonder, I don't know if we'll read on and see, but did anybody see this or suspect this? I wonder if he was so good at it, he was so sneaky that nobody really saw it happen. But I just wonder about that or if, you know, I don't know. But either way, they were, this rule that he set up that if one of you sins, everyone's paying for it. They all knew that. It keeps everyone accountable. Like if someone goes, hey, bro, you want to just like take a couple of these things? Nobody would know. They'll be like, do you know what he said? No, I know. You know, like I ain't doing this, you know? So at least even before, like and we keep reading the way that he, the way that he gives Aiken the opportunity to come forward. Just keep reading. Like this story plays out. Like we need to read it. Uh Uh-huh. So he says, well, God goes on to tell Joshua that they've taken some of the devoted things. They've stolen. They've lied. And he goes on. They have taken some of the devoted th- things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them 
with their own possessions as if they're their own. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. Mm -hmm. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to destruction. And then he tells them, go, consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, that which is devoted is among you. I, I, I want to stop for a second okay. because that NIV keeps saying devoted. I want to use the terms that they're using in the KJV for in the NKJV for this. Mm-hmm. There is an accursed thing in the midst of you. Uh-huh. Devoted and cursed to me don't ring the same. Mm-hmm. And so for they were told that there would be a curse upon them if they did if they took any of those things and mm-hmm. God is saying, there's a curse upon you and I will not be in the midst of you as long as whatever that is, that's causing that is present. Mm-hmm. So devoted thing, let's throw that word out for a minute. Okay. It's, it's a curse. Cursed. So they are being cursed. They are cursed because of their actions. Yes. Aiken's action was to steal and lie. And therefore, the whole population of the Israelites becomes cursed. Cursed. And God turns his himself against them. Right. Essentially, he says, You're, well, he you, just, you can't stand against your enemies because of what you've done. Yep. He's not so, and in so support of it. And so he says, go consecrate your people. And you cannot stand against your enemies until you remove it. What does the NKJV say? It says... Yeah, you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the accursed thing mm-hmm. from among you. Yeah. So then in verse 14, he says, In the morning, therefore, you shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord takes shall come according to families, and the family which the Lord takes shall come by households, and the household which the Lord takes shall come Man by man. So basically what he's saying is all 12 tribes of the mm-hmm. Israelites are going to come before him. And as they come before him, each each household in the tribe and then each individual in the household. Mm-hmm. So all of y'all are going to give an account. Mm-hmm. Starting with your tribe, then your household, then your individual. Everyone's getting on the hot seat. Everybody. Man by man. Yep. Eventually you're going to face, everyone's going to face whatever's going on. Uh, everyone's going to stand trial, essentially, and give an account. So he who is caught with the accursed things shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done a disgraceful thing in Israel. And then in verse 16, so Joshua rose early in the morning and brought Israel by their tribes. The tribe of Judah was taken, and then he brought the clan of Judah, and then he brought the family of the, I don't know, Zarhites, and Uh then he brought the family of the Zarhites man by man, and then uh, Zabdi was taken, and then he brought his household man by man, and Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah was taken, which means he stood on the hot seat. Now Joshua said to Achan, My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and make confession to him and tell me now what you've done and do not hide it from me. So Joshua begs him, Tell the truth. Just tell the truth. And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel and this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils a beautiful Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, 
I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent with the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran to the tent, and there it was, hidden in his tent with the silver under it. And they took them from the midst of the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the children of Israel, and laid them out before the Lord. Then Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, the silver, the garment, the wedge of gold, his sons, his daughters, his oxen, his donkeys, his sheep, take a breath, his tent and all that he had, and they brought him to the valley of uh, Eker. And Joshua said, why have you troubled us? Or why have you cursed us? Is that what yours said? What is yours say? Troubled? Okay. Why have you troubled us? The Lord will trouble you this day. So all Israel stoned him with stones, and they burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Everybody, everything he owned, and everyone connected to him and his family died by stoning first and then fire and when they raised over him a great heap of stone oh then they raised over him a great heap of stones still there to this day so the lord turned from the fierceness of his anger therefore the name of that place has been called the valley of acre acre to this day wow so god don't play Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you're not sure how to turn it into reality? You need Ready, Set, Podcast. They make it super easy to create your own podcast. They can help record, edit, and publish your idea. They have prices to fit any budget and options for both hobbyists and professional podcasters. So if you have an idea, reach out to them for a free consultation on their website or social media at www.readysetpodcast.xyz. Ready, Set, Podcast, turning your brilliant idea into reality. He really means just, it when he says what he, when he, when he sets up a rule, he's not doing it to waste his time. I just want to say something that I just feel like is super important, and that is that I don't know what God's punishment would have been if he had come forth. Yeah, because there was But a I think it's worthy charade. of noting mm-hmm. that God has in many stories throughout the scripture, given the people who have done what they were not supposed to do, big chances to come clean and admit what they've done right yeah. off the bat. Yeah. Most of the time, almost always, in fact, I think they don't. They wait until it's right in yeah. their face and they have no choice and they know mm-hmm. they can't lie to God and then they confess. Starting with Adam and Eve at the very beginning. Right. They run and hide. They hid, you know. And this is also one of those things that I think could be a great teaching moment for us. Mm-hmm. We see, we have a firsthand account of the mistakes that are made. Let's do something different. Mm-hmm. Just like with... Joshua, whenever he fell on his face before God, and I was like, oh, God, why did you bring us here? Like, uh, I thought you were going to save us. You brought us to battle. Like, why? We're going to die, and everybody's going to talk about us. Everybody's going to hear about our our loss, and then they're going to come kill us. And God's like, give me a break, bro. Did I not tell you exactly how many times to march and clap around that building or around the wall and what, what was going to happen? You knew better. You I knew. told you. Like, you should 
be accountable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same way with this. Exactly. Don't wait until someone asks you the right question to answer honestly. True righteousness is, is being a true righteous person is telling the truth and confessing before someone catches you with your hand in the cookie jar. Yeah. Or in this case with Aiken, his hand in the silver and the he possessions. Had, he had many of opportunities when he said, we're going to line up all the tribes uh-huh. and we're going to go each family by family and then we're going to go individual by individual. Uh-huh. And and Aiken just sits there and watches all this happen until it's his turn. Yeah. And then when it was his turn, he's like, oh, okay, I did it. You caught and he, me. And he waits. In, okay, my and he begs. No, Joshua, he waits till Joshua begs him. Yeah. This whole charade is going on, and every, the whole, everybody is, is having to give an account, wasting their time with all of this charade, and Aiken knows he's the guilty one, so when he stands before him, Joshua begs him to make a confession. And I just want to say that we don't have, we don't have anything that says... If he had done that, the outcome for him would have been different. Mm-hmm. But I can't help but wonder, because that's just who I am whenever mm-hmm. I read stories like these. And I, I see this, and I'm like, I, I wonder, because God gives us chance after chance after chance. What if when he'd done this, he'd have went, oh, crap, I shouldn't have done this I, immediately. <laughs> yeah. And he would have went up to Joshua and been like, don't send them in to AI. Like, I have mm-hmm. done a terrible thing, and I, mm-hmm. I took this, and please ask God to forgive me. You know, like I'm mm-hmm. begging for God to forgive mm-hmm. me. I, I don't know what happened in my brain. I don't know why I did this. Yeah. Here's yeah. The, all the things. Yeah. I wonder if the story would have had a different outcome. Of course, we'll never know that because that's not what happened. No. But it makes me question, or it makes me more aware in my daily life. Like to me, these are lessons we could learn. Mm-hmm. These are patterns that repeat over and over in the Old Testament. How can we do different? Yeah, and in the pattern that you see, I believe God is the ultimate model for parenting. And he's teaching and and raising up these people in the way that they should go, much like a parent does to his children. Yeah. And he's saying, if you do things this way, it will go well for you. If you will repent, like he tells many people throughout the entire Bible, there's too many accounts to Mm -hmm. give, where he says, if you will repent, my anger will turn from you. Yeah. But his wrath, he he opens up Joshua 7 and says, basically, I have anger towards you people. He doesn't tell them that yet. We know that because, you know, the narrator is telling the story. But he's saying his anger is burning because he knows, saw, of course, Aiken steal these things when he shouldn't have stolen them. And so his anger, all he had to do, if Aiken would have right. on the front end, based on how it has gone in so many other right. stories with God, is that when people come to him, fall on their face and repent, his anger leaves. And he's gracious to a repentant person. He he is yeah. many times. Now, he can decide who yes, he pours that exactly. grace on. He doesn't always have to. We right. have to forgive and move on. We've talked about this but in other episodes. He chooses who he chooses. He chooses who he gives grace upon. So I'm sure there's some people who repent he does not give that grace to. He gets to decide. But that's because he knows the hearts of man. And we don't. But it just makes, it just makes me wonder, you know, like, when will we take these lessons that we see in Scripture and apply them to our lives? Mm-hmm. You know? Wow. It's Don't a good, wait to get caught. It's a good, it's a good thinking, you know, like uh-huh. these are important questions, uh-huh. you know, like when God asks you to do something or commands you to do something and he 
gives those orders and you do them and things don't go your the way you think it's going to, mm-hmm. do you think the mistake lies with God? Probably not. Mm-hmm. It's probably in your own life. So, yeah. God, what, do, what can I do different? When we mess up, when we take the thing we shouldn't have taken after he commands us not to, when we do those things, repent. Father, forgive me. I do not know why my brain... I don't, I don't know why I did this stupid thing, but God, I know better and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. How many times are we unfaithful or disobedient mm-hmm. and we go throughout our lives acting as if it's fine? Yes. How often do we just move like little herds with our culture because it's okay, whatever it is we're involved in, is mm-hmm. totally acceptable and normal for our society and culture And even our Christian culture, it may be totally acceptable that you act this way or do this thing or whatever. It's considered fine and normal. And we shouldn't be normalizing in rebellion to God. There are many things in our culture that are acceptable, even in Christian subpopulations, that we have gotten used to and accustomed to. Well, everybody does that. Everybody says that. But that doesn't mean that it's okay in the eyes of God. It's still rebellion towards God. And we've just kind of grown like we're intoxicated into like, especially recently, Jackie Hill Perry gave a charge to listen to the lyrics of songs. Yes. And so um, when she did that um, here in recent weeks, I I mean, we already had kind of talked about this. We're cognizant of some of the lyrics of songs. We talked mm-hmm. about this a lot. But like really catchy tunes, if you take up, if you, if you remove the good beat and the like, the vibe with it, yeah. and you just listen to the lyrics and what they're like indoctrinating you into as you listen to it, you'll find that it is smut a lot of the time. It is like such... It goes against God. Yes. Like the themes of anger and revenge and promiscuity. And like I call rap forever. I've called rap auditory porn. That's pretty much all it is. It's just violating women's rights all over the place. But the the tune is really, really catchy and we want to dance to it and stuff. But there's tons of music we listen to that we kind of like jam out to and you just realize what this is actually saying is so demeaning to God and we should check that. We just go along with it. But anyways, it's just to look at sin is sin. And the thing, one of the things that is common in our, our culture now is everybody wants to get on board with everybody and tolerate everything we were not we are not commanded to be like the world in fact he commanded us to be a peculiar people set apart to live in the world but not be of the world Mm -hmm. and that is our call as christians that is what we are to do just because we are supposed to love everyone We are supposed to treat everyone with love and respect. That does not mean we condone or participate in all the things that the world deem is okay now just because that's what's acceptable in the culture. When he clearly says in the Bible, I am not changing, I have not changed, and I will not change. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I I have told you to be set apart. Mm Mm-hmm. Friendship with the world is hatred towards God. Mm-hmm. You can't be, you can't be buddies with both. 
lukewarm, if you're lukewarm, he will spit you out of his mouth. Yeah. The Bible says it clearly. Yeah. He says it clearly to love everyone. Treat people well. But that does not mean you participate in or condone things that go against him. You cannot serve two masters. You can't be living a double life and call it good. What you do in the light needs to be the same as what you do in the dark. They're Mm -hmm. the same. Live a congruent life so that you don't have to live in... The gift of that also is you don't have to live in chronic anxiety and paranoia. If you're getting... If you're constantly living a double life and trying to keep your stories straight and all that stuff, you're going to live paranoid. That's You have no other option. And also, as I explain, you know, I, I have this situation come up in, in therapy a lot, and I, I kind of explain to my clients that if you're living a split life, that means anybody who does love you, you can't really receive love from them because you know that you're only showing them the parts of you that you're certain they will like. Yeah. And when you show them everything, you at least you actually can receive the love because you know that you've shown them who you really are. And the truth is, no, yeah, there's of- not that wondering in the back of your mind. Do they, yeah. Do they really love me? I, they probably don't because they don't even really know me. No, because I won't reveal reveal myself to them. And so, like at times, I've I've played that out for people like you can keep living this double life however if you do that you know you'll never get love really sincere love from anyone because you'll know the truth and so if you want to be able and receiving that love from God God knows the difference he knows when people are split nobody hides from God Mm -hmm. nobody fools him you're either getting exposed here on planet earth or you're getting exposed when you meet him face to face so much better (laughs) would it go if you could get exposed here and have the chance while you still have breath in your lungs to do something different he sees everything it reminds me of um, a scripture in Ecclesiastes and I'm going to read it um, it's Ecclesiastes ten twenty, which says, Do not revile the king, even in your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird in the sky may carry your words, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. I don't know. When I think about that scripture, I just think about <clears throat> the time that the donkey spoke to the man on the path, because... Mm-hmm. Balaam's donkey? Balaam's donkey, when he spoke... God made a donkey speak. Ecclesiastes uh-huh. said, and a bird on the wing may report what you say. Y'all, <laughs> if God wants somebody to know what you're doing in secret, mm-hmm. he don't He don't need you to tell him if you want to be that way. If you don't want to be congr- live a congruent life, if you want to live in secret and all these things, when it's time for those things to come to light, it will happen no matter how much secret you try to keep. You know, no matter mm-hmm. what you do to hide it and bury it from other people. He's done it before. He'll do it again. He's had a, a rock cry out. He's had a donkey do it. Uh, it may be your friend or family member or the person you met at the bar. You do not know. God will make a way. And when he does, the, the things that need to come to light... They'll come to light. 
Yeah. Even your own dumb mistakes and like every every way you've tried to keep your little secret life secret, mm-hmm. you may make an idiot mistake and oops, someone found your alcohol stash. Oop. Right. You didn't expect anybody to look in that place and now you're stuck in a bind. Or you accidentally send that text to the wrong person. Yeah. I have, oh my goodness, I have heard that story too many times to yeah. count. Well, I mean, that's that's what happens mm-hmm. when you're living a double life. Yep. Those quote-unquote accidents happen because you can't keep your lies straight. At some point, mm-hmm. you get confused. Yep. And you get outed. And at this this reminds me, talking about this stuff, reminds me of this commentary, of the commentary that I read from Matthew Henry mm-hmm. in regards to this. And I just want to share a little snippet of it. He said, the folly of those that promise themselves secrecy in sin, the righteous God has many ways of bringing to light the hidden works of darkness, and so bringing to shame and ruin those that continue their fellowship with those unfruitful works. Well said, Matthew. He hits that on on the head, mm-hmm. you know, and when Achan confesses his his sins specifically, I just think it's so important that we confess the specifics of what we've done. Yeah. And, Gen- and reflect mm-hmm. that with deep regret. It also matters to the person hearing what you've done. If Absolutely. you've wronged somebody specifically, I don't want your general apology. Oh, I'm sorry I did that. That You know, I won't do it again. Well, sometimes and occasionally I'll be like, what are you sorry exactly. for? What, what are you and sorry for? And if you for? look at me like, uh, I don't know, that lets me know just how sorry you really are. Right. You know, your genuine apology should come with some specifics. Mm-hmm. And it should come with a matched emotion as well. Like, it seems by reading this, we don't know because we're not examiners of Aiken's heart, but he... Explain. He does say eventually. Now I wish he would have said it a little bit earlier, but he does say specifically what he did. He told them where they could find it. Uh-huh. You know, and he explained how to get it. He explplained what he was feeling. I was I coveted this whenever mm-hmm. I saw it. I wanted it for myself, exactly. even though it was God's. I saw it and I thought it. Mm, that's nice. I want it for me. Um, and so he confessed more specifically. We're supposed to do that. We reflect what we're done, we, what we've done. We confess it to a person if they're involved and we harm them with deep regret. You know, ideally, it would have been nice if Aiken had come in and been like, you know what? We don't need to go through each person in each tribe. I I feel deep remorse and regret for what I've done. Don't hurt my family. Like, it was me. It's me. Hi. Mm-hmm. I'm the problem. It's me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Take a take a little hint from Taylor from the future, Aiken, and just get it out there. Take a little ownership. That's right. Because when we don't reflect and confess our sin, we are in danger of continuing in a pattern that will likely harden our hearts. Yep. And cause us to be numb to our own destruction. Mm-hmm. God says, if you're going to continue in that sin. He hardens our heart every time we keep change. We keep choosing the same thing over and over and over. It changes, and now we know actually it changes our neurobiology when you keep making the same choice. It makes it so much easier for your brain to go do that same thing. Right. So instead, we can pivot, and we can earnestly pray and examine ourselves to find the accursed thing that may exist within us that needs to be exposed 
so it can be removed. Yes, because it's God's desire that all of us find our way back to Him. And those Mm -hmm. secret sins, if you have those in your life right now, if you're hiding something, if you think you're hiding it from the people in your life, you're probably not. Somebody probably knows. But God definitely knows. Mm -hmm. And because of that, you've created a distance between yourself and God. And the only way to repair that and to draw close to Him is to come to Him in true repentance and confess what you've done. Thanks for listening to the God Be Crazy podcast. If the message of the podcast resonates with you, please make sure to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. We also encourage you to rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. By doing this, you may help others hear the podcast as well. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or just share it the good old-fashioned way. Talk about it with the people in your life. It is our hope that you will be blessed and strengthened by the truth and crazy love of God. 